ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Quainor plays on, senses as long as he can up the southern wing. Meyer checks the target. Collingwood hang on. And there's still the team to beat. That's the sound of finals footy. Collingwood ushered in September action with a tough win over Melbourne at the G. They are one game away from a grand final, but one of their stars is at the centre of a huge concussion story that will have enormous implications for both the Pies and the Demons. Now, this game is a microcosm of finals football in both codes in that it shows us the stakes are just ramping up. We're going to get you across everything in the NRL and AFL finals landscape, plus sound bites where you're going to hear a contender for the best ever coaching fire-up speech. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Corbin Middlemass is part of the ABC's AFL commentary team. He called the action last night. He will be at the G for Carlton v Sydney. Corb, a belting opener to the final series. The Magpie Army, they are flying. It's wild to think we're a day into the final series and Collingwood is already on the cusp of a grand final. Craig McRae said it best last night. We're the only one waiting. That's, that's reality, but in, in, when we play next, there's only four teams left. Just a beautiful line to be able to sum up what it means for them. The other thing is to the side of the draw that they're now on. So they're on the side that includes the winner of St Kilda and GWS and the loser of Port Adelaide and Brisbane. So if you go through those four teams, you work out pretty quick that three of them are interstate teams. So outside of Melbourne or Victoria, uh, obviously means that there's a high chance that not only will they get that home preliminary final at the MCG, they'll be playing a team where travel is also a factor and they've played the week before. So a significant advantage for Collingwood. And particularly because last night, I think for three quarters, they were outplayed. The inside 50 count will tell you that. It was lopsided Melbourne's way. The Ds kicked 11 behinds and five more shots, which went out of bounds on the full. So they'll be kicking themselves, the Ds, as a sort of what might have been mm. night for them, losing by only seven points. And despite all those things going against Collingwood, they still win. They get the week off. And a guy named Nick Dacos will be back to return for them on, uh, on preliminary final night. So they'll be chuffed with that, the Pies. The moment of the game was Maynard knocking out Brayshaw. Hand pass to Brayshaw, big collision with Maynard, long to full forward, whistle, and it's coming back to the middle of the ground. Now Brayshaw is oh. down, Maynard has slowly got up. He looks, he's out, like he is seeing stars. At the time of record, we actually don't know about sanctions right now, but I want to ask you about what you made of D's coach Simon Goodwin's reaction in the post-match. I guess that'll be sorted out during the week, but... Um, yeah, we've got a pretty shattered player in there. Um, yeah, look, you can only go by the facts. He jumped off the ground and knocked a guy out. So I guess time will tell. He's upset. Yeah, he's um, he's obviously had a, a history with concussion a, a long time ago. Um, so he's obviously dealing with some emotion there. But, you know, he wants to play finals footy. He's going to be missing for a few weeks and... Yeah, that's disappointing. I was surprised that he was that strong, to be honest, to say, look, that the facts are he jumped off the ground and made contact with an opposition player, almost implying that you're not able to do that and and he should be suspended for it. Uh, It it was so unusual and something that I haven't seen a, a whole lot in my time covering football. I think there was no malice in the action. I think that's one thing that's clear. And Brett Delidio, who was part of our call team last night, was pretty quick to point out that this happened at an under-18s game earlier in the season. I don't think there's anything Braden Maynard can do there. I actually saw this in an under-18 game this year, and the kick got cleared, but it's unfortunate. 
The player was suspended for four weeks and then had it overturned by the tribunal, who found the same thing, that he was laying a smother. There wasn't a whole lot of other things that he could possibly do in that moment. I think it is a football action, and I think it's just one of those really unfortunate things that happen on the football field. And you can't suspend the laws of gravity. I don't think it's a reportable offence. It's going to be a monstrous crowd at the GDC Carlton play the Swans. The Navy Blues, they pride themselves on clearance. Sydney has struggled there this year. Surely the only thing that can beat Carlton tonight is Carlton. Sounds like a Sydney supporter saying that. But <laughs> it feels like this is the area that the game is going to be won. And Carlton have clearly identified that too. They brought in the extra ruckman. So Pittanet returns to partner De Conan in the ruck, despite the fact that there's possible hail forecast at the MCG tonight. Uh, it's going to be a hell of occasion. Carlton haven't played a final in, uh, what, a decade? And now they get a chance in front of what's going to be 95, 96,000 at the MCG and let's be honest, 75, 80,000 of them are going to be wearing navy blue. So I think the game totally boils down to whoever wins that. And judging by the, um, the, the pattern of the season so far, you'd think that that's the area in which Carlton not only dominate, but they score from stoppage as well. There'll be at least one in red. St Kilda, they're also <laughs> bringing the feel-good vibes. They host a rare MCG final against the Giants. Is it just me or does this have all the makings of a Ross Lyon lockdown arm wrestle? It's interesting. A lot of people are leaning towards the Saints. I'm going the other way on this one. So I think the Giants can get them on the inside and then they've got more weapons outside. So we're trying to use sort of too much sort of footy lingo. But again, it seems boring that we talk about every game of football like this, but it's a huge midfield battle. And it is again on this occasion that I just think St Kilda's midfield have been beaten in recent weeks. That would worry me a little bit as a, as a St Kilda person. So... I think the Giants not only have the weapons inside with guys like Tom Green, for example, they can get their hands dirty, but then when the ball gets on the outside, they've got sort of more weapons than St Kilda. So I think actually the wider ground at the MCG actually suits the opposition So and, and suits GWS more than uh, Docklands, where St Kilda ordinarily play their home games. Um, it feels like Ross has that ground sort of set up pretty well and St Kilda can defend it. I think the, the bigger wide open expanses actually suit the, uh, the visiting team. Finally, Lions hosting Port. Few are giving the power much chance. But there is generally one big upset in week one of the finals. I mean, I'm clutching here, but could this yeah. be it, Corb? I think it, so much of it rests on their three young studs. So they need Butters, Rosie and Horn Francis to play their best footy. If they can do that, we know how electric they are, and I think they can get on top of, of Brisbane's midfield there. But if all three of them don't have big games, I think it's just going to be too hard for Port Adelaide. You've got the, the powerful forward line that Brisbane possess up against a shaky defense. If Brisbane get enough looks in the forward line, I think they'll be able to, to kick a winning score, as the, uh, as the song says. You talk about their record at the Gabba. They've only lost eight games there since 2019 when they become this version of themselves, even a, a, always a top four or, or final four type team. But of those eight losses, four of them have been finals. So it, it's this time of the year in particular where they're vulnerable, playing against the best opposition at, at home. So um, it, it feels like the biggest of the outsiders. I, I think a lot of sort of footy pundits are leaning towards the Lions here as their, their warm favourite. Thanks so much, Corbin. You can catch Corbin, Middlemass, and the team on the ABC Listen app every game, live and commercial free. Thanks so much, Corb. Anytime. NRL finals get underway Friday night. Zach Bailey, the Channel 9 Rugby League news hound. He's here to break down the biggest storylines for us. Zach, the Storm own Brisbane. The game is over. You could put Daffy Duck in a Melbourne Storm jersey at Lang Park and he wins. They just win with whoever turns up here. The Broncos haven't beaten the Storm in Queensland since 2009. Surely this is the moment though. Because if not now, then when? 
Yeah, well, Pat, it's a great question because the Melbourne Storm have always been considered the fourth team in Queensland before the Dolphins came along. They had so much success up there all the way through the COVID period as well. They were almost unbeatable at Suncorp Stadium. In terms of their record against the Broncos, it's a massive hoodoo. They only beat them last week out there. A lot of the stars from both teams were missing. But I interviewed a lot of the Melbourne Storm players earlier this week and Christian Welsh spoke about the fact he just listed off all the strike power in the Broncos' backline, the Ezra Mams of the world, the Selwyn Cobos, the Katoni Stags, and the big one, the Reese Walsh. And as he was naming these players, he goes, geez, aren't they a good footy side? Smoothie options either side off right, shoulder gives to Haas, keeps the bell moving through the hands, passes to Reynolds, dummies, passes to Walsh, passes the edge for Cobo, Cobo grubbers infield, Walsh is on the end of it! I think if Brisbane are ever going to beat Melbourne, this is the biggest stage for them to do it in. I think the Brisbane Broncos will just get the job done purely because of the cool, calm, collected Adam Reynolds at halfback. They've got a gun forward pack and the wizard that is Reese Walsh playing off the back of it. Let's talk Warriors and Panthers. We know Penrith are exceptional. And I want to believe in the Warriors, but without star playmaker Sean Johnson, can you see a world where they can challenge? Well, Stacky, I'd love to be on the Warriors bandwagon saying up the wires after Saturday afternoon's match, but I just don't know if that's going to be possible. Like Sean Johnson, he's the Dallium favourite. He's come out of nowhere this year. A lot of people were writing him off, but he has carried the Warriors into this final series, into the top four for the first time in years. It's the third time they've ever made it there as a club. And for him to miss with a calf injury is huge because they're already missing Luke Metcalf, who's been a 5'8 for them this year. He's out injured, so they're missing two halves that have been there for most of the year. A massive blow for the Warriors. And it robs us of the opportunity of Nathan Cleary coming up against his idol in Sean Johnson in a massive game. I think Penrith will be far too strong. Their forward pack, James Fisher-Harris, Moses Liotta, Spencer Lenu, and then you've got Nathan Cleary, Isaiah Yo, Brian Toto, Stephen Crichton, all these guys with finals experience coming off the back. Jerome Luai, a big out, yes, but Sean Johnson, sadly, a bigger out for the Warriors. It still blows my tiny mind that the Sharks will play the Roosters in front of about 12,000 people while the SFS sits empty up the road, but will that feverish Shire crowd, do you think, be enough to get Cronulla to victory? There is one hill that is rowdier than any spot in uh, rugby league or the NRL around the country, and that is down at Shark Park. They are as rowdy as they come. They will scream and cheer for their team, and they will boo louder than any other fan group at the opposition team. This weekend, I don't know if there's a player under more pressure than Nico Hines. The Sharks went out in straight sets in the finals last year. He spoke this year about how much the origin dumping after game one hurt him and the, the, the blow to his confidence, how difficult it was to fight back. He needs to have a massive game against a red-hot Roosters side who have won five straight. They were 14th uh, only five or six weeks ago. No one thought they'd be playing finals footy, but they're on a roll. I think the Roosters are the favourites in this one and they'll just get home. If your team didn't make the finals, then you're probably cheering for the Knights. I feel like they're a good one for the neutrals. They take on a no-one-believes-in-this-Canberra team. Newcastle fullback Callum Ponga has a busted shoulder. Do you think he's going to be healthy enough to help the Knights to week two of the finals? Going off what he said, he's passed everything so far this week. I'll do everything I can to manage what I can leading into the game, but to be honest, I, I do feel pretty good. I'm pretty excited about the occasion. I hope for everybody involved in the game that's watching this, all the fans, that he is playing because he's shown in recent weeks of just 
how good a player he is. He's in career best form after turning his back on the Maroons and saying, I want to focus on the Knights this year. Uh, the big question is, how much will the Raiders, no doubt, led by Ricky Stewart as their coach, will target Caelan Ponga and his injured shoulder, all legally, of course. Uh, I think the Knights, they're on a roll nine straight. Hopefully they make it 10. Yeah, plenty of huge games this weekend. Can't wait. Zach Bailey, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Ducky. Soundbites, Coco Golf has been our favourite player on court at this year's US Open, but she's also been quite good off court. Here she is in the press conference telling the entire world that her mate Francis TFO's multicoloured singlet is crook. Francis told me at French Open that he had something crazy planned for US Open. And I was like, you're wearing confetti. <laughs> I said Carlos looked better. <laughs> He's going to hate this. <laughs> Love you, Francis. (laughs) Look, we all need that one friend in our life who tells us the new outfit that we're going for is just ridiculous. Coco is that friend. So what kind of friend is Novak Djokovic, you ask? Well, he's the anti-vax friend. He's also the karaoke friend. You gotta fight for your right to party. Beastie Boys are iconic. You know who else is iconic? Dion Sanders. He's one of the best NFL players of all time. He also played Major League Baseball. Now he's coaching college football and delivering the best pregame speeches in sport. Have a listen and hit the weekend fired up. Usually God give me a word long before this, but he's been holding it. Because it's not about them. This is about us. This has nothing to do with the team that's opposing us. This is about us. This ain't got nothing to do with the naysayers, the the unbelievers, the haters, the doubters. This is about us. When we started this journey, we told you it was gonna be trying, it was gonna be tough, but you endured because it's about us. That man next to you is a miracle. That man next to you is a believer. That man next to you is a go-getter. That man next to you is a dog. That man next to you is somebody who wants this thing. That man next to you is somebody who believes. That man next to you is somebody that gots to have it today. We ain't got tomorrow. We got now. We ain't got next. We got now. We ain't coming no more. I'm Patrick Stack, running through a wall. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Ronell Mower. Thanks to Colorado University and Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.